Well, amen. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, um, in particular the sixth chapter, if you've been with us for the last three, four weeks-ish. Um, you'll know we are in a sermon series where we are walking our way through these signs that are in John's gospel. So John's gospel in particular is structured according to these miracle stories that are told, but they're particular miracle stories that are told a particular way at a critical moment in the story in order to be a sign, a sign that signifies an act that is significant about Jesus's identity. And so we're going to read um, uh, from the Gospel of John, and as is our custom, I'm going to be reading from the Old Testament, um, as well as another place in the Gospel of John. So if you would listen carefully and closely um, to this God's Word um, from uh, the book of Exodus, as well as the Gospel of John, I'm going to be reading from Exodus 16 first. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And then from the Gospel of John, beginning in chapter 6. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that that he had done, They said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. 
When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land, the land to which they were going. And then from chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then finally, From John chapter 20. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, at the very reading of your word, we respond by saying thanks be to God to you because it is an acknowledgement, Lord, an honest acknowledgement that we are hungry people. And it's an acknowledgement that we do not live by bread alone, but instead, as your people, we are made to live by every word that comes from your mouth. So, Lord, we ask in your kindness, in your mercy, by the power of your spirit, that you would do the thing that only you can do, or that you would shine light on these words that are in your word, and that you would use them to nourish us and feed us tonight, we pray. And we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So this happens um, fairly regularly, like maybe once a week. But I will be leaving my office, which is in central Homewood, and I will be on my way to my house, which is more on this side of Homewood. And on my way, um, I will call my wife Mandy, and I will say to her, um, you know, the things like, hey, babe, how was your day today? Things like that. And then as soon as I say those kinds of things, I say, do you need me to go by the store? And sometimes she'll say to me, yeah, actually. And she'll start rattling off the things that she wants me to get. And I'll be driving. I'll be like, okay, whoa, 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 it's a little too much. Can you send me a list? And she always says, sure. And, and this list almost always contains very, very clear instructions. <laughs> Very clear. But every now and then, the list will simply say on it, um, kids' cereal. And then it will say, get whichever one is BOGO. Now, BOGO, for the unenlightened in this room, 
is an acronym that means buy one, get one, okay? And I say all that to say that tonight is a BOGO special (laughs) on Jesus's signs, because tonight I have for you not just one sign from Jesus, but two, okay? The first one, you heard me read it, is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And the bonus sign that I have for you tonight is when Jesus walks on water. And the reason why we have them packaged as a BOGO special tonight is because for the Gospel of John, for John the writer, these are connected. Jesus will feed the 5,000, he will walk across the water, and then, and you heard me read it, he has a conversation about the whole thing. It's connected. So tonight, we're going to ask the three questions that we have asked for each of these signs so far. Jesus feeding the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water, we're gonna approach this in three parts or movements. Question number one. What exactly did Jesus just do here? There's lots of things I could tell you about these particular scenes, but I'm going to point out some of the noteworthy details for you. What exactly did Jesus do here? You know, it's a good practice to try to think freshly about familiar stories. What did Jesus do here? Second question we're gonna ask is, What does it mean? Because remember, these are not just miracle stories. They're signs, they're clues that are pointing us to something about Jesus and what it means to believe in him. And then the third question we're going to ask tonight, the third question is, so what? What about you and me? Because remember, these signs or told to us so that we might believe in Jesus and so that we might receive life in his name. So there are precious promises for us to cling to freshly tonight from these stories. So that's how we're going to proceed. And I wanna go ahead and tell you in advance where I think John will lead us. Here's the main thing I want you to hear tonight. If you don't hear anything else I say, this is the main thing. In Christ, we have provision for every need. And in Christ, we have rescue from every trouble. In Jesus, we have provision for every need. And in Jesus, we have rescue from any and every trouble. It's good news tonight. It just so happens to be all of your hope tonight. So let's take a look. Look with me at verse one of chapter six. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. The Sea of Tiberias would be the Roman name of this body of water. The Sea of Galilee would be the historic Jewish name of this sea. To give yourself a little bit of perspective, I did a little research this week, and the Sea of Galilee, as far as the size of this body of water, is really close to the size, if you're familiar, um, of Lake Martin, okay? So we're talking about a pretty big body of water. 
So Jesus goes away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is, on this, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So Jesus is interacting here, and people are beginning to gather around him. Crowds are being gathered, particularly because of the way in which he's healing people. So everywhere Jesus goes from this point forward in the Gospel of John, a crowd will gather around. So we've got a crowd, we've got a sea, and then we're about to have a wilderness and a mountain. Look at verse 3. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover the feast of the Jews was at hand. In lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, I told you guys last week that Jesus Christ in the gospel stories never, ever, ever asks a question that he does not already know the answer to. How do I know that in this case? Because... John tells us, verse 6, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Where did we to buy bread so that these people may eat? But Jesus asked that already knowing what he was planning to do. By the way, that question, where are we going to buy bread? Where are we going to eat? Where are we going to be nourished? Where are we going to feed is one of the most central questions of the life of faith. Where will you look for provision? Where will you look for sustenance? Think about the ways that you and I are tempted to look everywhere else except where true food can be found. So as you guys heard me read it, there's a little bit of a debate about, well, there's not enough, we don't have enough money to buy, and this little boy only has a few things, and we can't really exactly do this. And look what happens in verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. So what exactly did Jesus just do? Let me hit the highlights for you. And I will be saying more about this in just a moment. We've got a sea, we've got a wilderness, we've got a meal for a multitude in the wilderness that has been provided from sources that are coming from Jesus himself. He creates from his own creative power, from the resources that are inside of him, he creates a meal for a vast multitude of people. I can't stress this enough. From the resources, from the provision that he has within himself, he provides for a mass multitude of people. 
so much so that 12 baskets are able to be gathered up. He's distributing them. He's distributing this food. The idea here is Jesus has an endless supply. He's got an endless supply inside of himself that he can just give out and keep giving that won't run out or lack in any way. So much so that 12, 12, 12 baskets are able to be filled up. So much so that everyone sort of freaks out and thinks he is the prophet. Okay. Now let's look at the stormy sea and ask the question, what exactly did Jesus just do? I'll move a little faster. The disciples get in the boat. They're out in the middle of the boat. I know I just told you it's Lake Martin, but I have been on Lake Martin in a terrible, terrible storm. And it was crazy. So the disciples are out there. Strong wind is blowing. Verse 18, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, that is, they're panicking, trying to get out of this storm. Then they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, in the original language of the New Testament, what he says is, I am. Don't be afraid. I am. Don't be afraid. And they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So there's two miracles here. First of all, let's just call it what it is. Jesus is walking on water. The second miracle is he's somehow able to have his disciples pass by immediately safely through it. What exactly did Jesus do here? Let me try to stress and emphasize it for you. He controls and he masters the sea in order to bring his people through it safely. At a Passover in the wilderness, he provides a meal from his own sources, so much so that he has 12 baskets left over. And then he controls and masters a sea in order to bring his people through it safely. Question number two, what does that mean? Because remember, these are not just cool ancient stories, but they're signs that are telling you something about who Jesus is and what he's come to do so that you can believe in him. So what does it mean? So what would you think if I told you that John has written this story He has told us this story of all the things that Jesus did. He's picked out this one thing to tell you because he wants it to remind you of what the Lord had done for his people in the Exodus. Can I explain the connections to you? So here, here we have a crowd in a wilderness Back there in the book of Exodus, we have a crowd, and they're in the wilderness. Here, we have Jesus providing a meal out of his own sources, from his own creative power, from his endless supply. He provides a meal to feed people here. Back there 
and you heard me read it, the Lord had provided manna, this flake-like bread in the wilderness in order to feed his people. Here, here we have enough left over that 12 baskets can be filled. Back there in the Exodus, would you believe me if I told you there are 12 tribes of Israel out in the wilderness? Here, the people freak out and say, this is the prophet. This is the prophet who's coming to the world. See, back there in the book of Exodus, there's the great prophet Moses, but there's the promise that travels from the Exodus event all the way through the Old Testament that one day, one day, one day, there would be a prophet and that prophet would be even greater than Moses. He would be able to do signs and he would lead God's people in a kind of new Exodus event where he would bring the people through the wilderness in order to make them his people again. But this new prophet like Moses would do it somehow fully and finally, um, delivering them not just from like the bondage of Egypt, from the bondage of sin and evil and death fully and finally. John wants us to read this and realize when Jesus is doing these two things, he's doing the thing. It's happening. Here, in this story, we have a stormy sea. We have a stormy sea and Jesus controls, has mastery over it in order to guide his people through safely. Back there in the Exodus event, you had the Red Sea that the Lord Almighty mastered in order to part so that his people could pass through safely. How do I know that all this is connected to Exodus things? Well, it's because the conversation that Jesus has that you heard me read for you. Look with me again at John chapter 6, verse 32. There's a long conversation about Moses and a mountain and the past, and it's the Passover, all these kinds of things. Look at verse 32. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. What Jesus is saying is if you want true provision, if you want to have the deepest needs of your life satisfied, there's a kind of bread that you can eat. And the crowds hear this, the people hear this, and they say, well, then give us this bread. And look at verse 35, Jesus says, I am that bread. What Jesus is saying is, it wasn't Moses that gave you bread, it was the Lord, and I am him. People say, well, we'll eat that kind of bread. And Jesus says, I am that bread. He says that I'm that bread that you can eat from. Verse 35, and you shall not hunger, and if you believe in me, you won't thirst. Guys, here's the main thing that John is trying to get us to see about what this means. It's the main thing I want you to hear tonight. Jesus is saying, he's looking you and me in the eye in this passage. And he's saying, 
I provide. I am the provision. I rescue through trouble. I am, in my very own person, the rescue. Come to me. So what did Jesus do? Creates a meal in the wilderness, calms a sea to help his people pass through. What does it mean? It means that Jesus Christ is the provision and he is the rescue. He's the provision for every need. He is the rescue from every trouble. Question number three, who cares? Why does it matter? What about me? What about you? What about us? And I want to answer that third question by asking you two questions. So question number one, do you have any need? Are you here tonight with any kind of need? Any kind. To ask it another way, are you hungry tonight? To ask it another way, are you desperate in some ways tonight? To ask it another way, are you longing tonight for some particular kind of provision? Because if you are, the good news gospel truth of this passage is that he is already, he has already promised to provide. He's already promised to provide. And this isn't just something that Jesus did here when he fed 5,000, this is something he does. He provides for every need. Now I wanna tell you the truth about something. It doesn't always feel like Jesus provides for all our needs, does it? And there's at least a few reasons for that. Number one, and I don't know if you've noticed this about God, one of you notice this about the way God works in this world is he doesn't provide for needs very often, very quickly. But instead, sometimes his provision comes to us in ways that we don't expect and on a timeline we would not have chosen. It's not always that way, but it's often that way. And let me tell you the truth about something else. And I'll speak for me. We often don't really need what we think we do. So for example, I can think of a difficult circumstance in my life. And I think what I need is for that circumstance to be different. 
But a passage like this helps us remember that if in Jesus is all provision, then more than needing that circumstance to change, what I need even more than that is Jesus's presence and his strength in that circumstance. Again, I'll speak for me. There's a difficult relationship or two in my life. And I think, I really do believe this, y'all. I really think I just need that person to be different. But a passage like this reminds us that more than needing that person to be different, what I need is Jesus' grace, his provision in that difficulty. I told you guys over the last couple weeks that these sign stories remind us that the person in the universe who is most powerful is also the most kind. And I'd like to add another layer to that. This story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 reminds us that the person in the universe most powerful is also the person most generous. Who lives to provide. For what his people needs. Second question. First one was, do you have any need here tonight? Here's the second question. Do you need any help here tonight? Do you need deliverance? Do you need rescue? You know, one thing that I'm keenly aware of when I walk into this room every Sunday afternoon and I stand up here is that in moments like this, I am looking at people. Okay, I see it in you because I see it in me. I'm looking at people who have been bombarded by the power of evil and sin and darkness and death all week long. The promise of a passage like this, when Jesus Christ calms the stormy sea, walks across the water to help his people pass safely, just like the Lord did at the Exodus event. What it teaches us is that he in himself is the great deliverer, the great rescuer, the great redeemer from any and every kind of trouble. And I cannot possibly imagine all the different troubles that are in this room. What I can promise you is that this Jesus who walked across the water is the same Jesus Christ whose saving power is available to you. In other words, if you need Jesus and you need his help, you can have him. Even tonight. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that through these words in your word, that you would help us take hold of life in your name, that you would provide, Lord, provision for the needs in this room, and you would readjust our understanding of what it is we actually need the most, and it's not bread, but it's you. 
Lord, for each of us who are sailing through stormy waters of every kind, almost all the time, even when we're not aware of it, Lord, the fear that we carry in this room. God, I pray that these truths would remind us that in you we have a great rescuer. God, I pray that these truths would help us take hold of life in your name, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.